The following audio is from First Baptist Pelham in Pelham, Alabama. More information about First Baptist Pelham is available at fbcpelham.org. Well, praise God. I tell you, if that, if that didn't bless you, you got a stony heart. I want to just tell you that. I, nothing else is going to bless you after that. Thank you, Paul and choir. And they've done a tremendous work. I want to tell you, they put literally hours and hours and hours in getting ready uh, for Palm Sunday. And, uh, and then Monday, Thursday, and then today, thank you for all your hard work. Uh, you know, we appreciate our, our leadership team. And uh, Paula, you've done a tremendous, tremendous job. And you know, the reason Paula does that, not so the preacher will get up here and brag on her, but so the Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified and exalted. And I appreciate her working so hard. and All the work that went into the music we've enjoyed for the last uh, few days. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to open them with me to the book of Acts, and we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 17. Uh, Now, I do want to read this before I ask you to stand, because our theme today is the conqueror. Uh, Some of you are here this morning, and within the last 12 months since we celebrated Easter last year, some of you here today have lost somebody very dear to you. I've been where you are today. I remember well the first Easter after my father died. I remember well the first Easter after my mother died. Uh, Easter takes on special significance when you have loved ones who are in the presence of the Lord. And I want you to know today that we don't grieve as those who have no hope. The Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth, For he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished is death. And so this past year, if you've suffered a loss of someone dear to you, we come to celebrate today because death has been defeated and Jesus reigns. Bless his holy name. Well, join me in standing if you've opened your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. Uh, This is the Apostle Paul's preaching about the resurrection on Mars Hill in Athens, Greece. And we're going to read what happened there, beginning in Acts 17 uh, with verse 22. This is the word of the living God. Then Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Being God's offspring then, 
We shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to ridicule him, but others said, we'd like to hear from you again about this. Then Paul left their presence. However, some men joined him and believed, including Dionysius, the Areopagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. May God add his blessings to the reading of his holy word. You may be seated. You know, as we look at this passage of scripture, we see the reaction that the people on Mars Hill in Athens, Greece, had to the resurrection. And as I've studied the scriptures and I've read through church history, I have come to find that this is exactly what happens anytime you preach the gospel. These three things will happen. And even more than that, and this is, you say, well, preacher, we're Christians. We've accepted Christ. We're here on Easter Sunday to celebrate his resurrection. Uh, we already believe that he's alive. Well, let me just say this. Anytime a pastor or preacher preaches anything from the word of God, I have found that even Christians react with these same three responses. So I want you to look and see what happens on Mars Hill and see if maybe there aren't some things in your life that you need to rethink this morning. I love what Adrian Rogers said. Adrian Rogers said eternal life is not something you get when you die. It's something you get when you believe. Hallelujah. Uh, when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will live forever. And not just live forever. The Bible says we don't just live forever, but we live and reign with him forever, and we're joint heirs with Christ. But when Paul preached on Mars Hill, some people heard about the resurrection, and they reacted with ridicule. Notice it said some began to ridicule him in verse 32. Now, there are reasons for that ridicule. First of all, some people ridicule the gospel because of skepticism, and we live in an age of skepticism. In fact, the, the newest generation that's coming along, uh, they are defying all traditions. They're defying all organized religion. Uh, they want to examine everything for themselves. This is the most uncommitted generation of Americans that we've ever had. I'm not mad about that. I'm just telling you what's going on today. Uh, there are people who don't believe that there's a God or they believe that there is a God, you can't know him. Most of the people under 35, most of the adults under 35, between 20 and 35 are a part of that generation, and there's a lot of skepticism there. And let me just say this, Christianity is not afraid of skeptics. Jesus Christ is not afraid of skeptics. In fact, uh, several years ago, I wrote a letter to the Birmingham News, and I told the Birmingham News that I didn't believe in atheists. Uh, I believe that atheist was just something people made up to scare preachers. I thought it was funny. Uh, there was an atheist who took issue with it, said it hurt his feelings. And uh, I had to take a baby Tylenol to go to sleep that night. I was so upset about hurting that uh, atheist's feelings. But uh, they actually, in fact, it all started because they had a meeting at the Homewood Library of the Free Thinkers. The uh, atheists had formed a group called the Free Thinkers. 
And so I called the guy that was in charge of it, and I said, I'd like to come down and speak to the free thinkers. And he said, who are you? I said, I'm Mike Shaw, Pastor at First Baptist Pelham. No, you can't come. And I said, well, I think freely all the time. I said, there's no barrier on my thinking freely, and I would just like to come and share some of my free thoughts with y'all. I will share them for free. I don't expect a love offering. A lot of preachers want a love offering. I'll just come down. They wouldn't let me come. You know why they wouldn't let me come? Because they're afraid to have their skepticism examined. I want to tell you this. If you ever meet an atheist, don't say, oh, I'm an atheist. I'm scared of it. Listen, you have more reason to believe than he does. I want to tell you, you know what he believes? He believes this all just happened. That's what he believes. He has more faith in chance than I have in God. Because I want to tell you, I know how this happened. Paul tells us here. In fact, I want to tell you this. I don't back down on creation. I want you to know I preached creation since I was 17 years old. If I preach uh, the next 10 or 15 years as a supply preacher, interim pastor, if somebody says, preacher, do you believe in the creation? Absolutely. Amen. Why? Because Jesus believed in the creation. Don't you know that's, that's what he said? He said the Father created them this way. He created them male and female. That's what Jesus said. And in this passage right here, Paul affirms the creation because Paul said from one man all the people on the earth came. That's Paul saying, I believe in the creation. Here's how you handle an atheist. You ask him how much of an atheist he is. You say, well, preacher, what about that? Are you a 100% atheist? Because if he says, yeah, I'm 100% atheist, here's your next question. Do you think you know everything there is to know in the universe? Now, if he has one ounce of intellectual honesty, he's going to have to say, no, I don't know everything there is in the universe. If he says, I do know everything there is in the universe, you can say, you're a liar and you're full of pride. Because that's exactly what he is. But say he says, I'm 99% sure there's no God. I'm, I know 99% of all the things you can know in the universe. What if the fact that God exists is in that other 1%? And then you've got him because he has nothing else. Listen, don't run from skepticism. I'm not, and, and by the way, do you think this is the first time the church has been faced with skeptics? No. You know what the greatest weapon against skepticism is? Live your life of faith. God gave you faith. He gave a gift of faith when he gave you salvation. Live and exercise that gift. You know what I found out? I found out that what I exercise usually works better. You know, if I exercise my mind, it works better. If I exercise my body, it works. Now, there's some kind of exercise I can't do anymore. I can't do side straddle hops. You say, why not? Because I'd fall down. And when I fall down, it's going to be like Humpty Dumpty. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Brother Mike together again. But the things that work, I exercise. Exercise your mind. Keep it sharp. Don't be afraid of skeptics. Some people ridiculed, and they were there. Some people ridiculed because they said, oh, we don't believe in that resurrection. The fact that somebody does not believe in it does not negate the resurrection. In fact, it's a proof. Some people ridicule because of sin. There are people that just like to sin. There are people that want to do drugs. And by the way, in case somebody's here today 
and maybe you do drugs occasionally, maybe it's a social thing now, you're not really addicted, let me warn you. Every coroner in the state of Alabama has said we are having more accidental overdoses than we've ever had in the history of our state. And y'all know this, Tom, working with the people that you work with, Celebrate Recovery. Uh, many people have gotten addicted on prescription painkillers, and they've gotten so hard to get now that they're going to hard drugs and they don't know what they're doing, and the first or second time they take some hard drugs, they end up dying of an overdose. But you know, if you're addicted to sex, you don't hear this. If you're addicted to drugs, alcohol, you don't hear this. Some people mock because of sin. And I want to tell you this, the Bible has not changed. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says the soul that sinneth shall surely die. The only victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave is the blood of Jesus. No other fount, I know. Nothing but the blood of And then some people ridicule because of scars. And now let me challenge us today as Christians. There are people in this room right now. And maybe some, maybe Brother Mike did. Listen, I've been pastor of this church 35 years. I didn't come here 35 years ago and say, I want to see how many people I can hurt, how many people I can alienate, how many people I can offend. I came here 35 years ago to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Have I been successful every time? No, I have failed. And, and if there's somebody here today, and if I've done something to hurt you, I hope before I retire at the end of May, you'll come to me and you'll say, Brother Mike, you said this in public, you hurt me. What are you going to do about it? I'll tell you what I'll do about it. I'll ask for your forgiveness. I'm not going to argue with you. Listen, when Sammy Gill was here several years ago, he taught me a very valuable lesson. Say, say suppose David Corum comes to me and said, Brother Mike, you hurt my feelings. I was chairman of Deacons, and you hurt my feelings. And I say, well, David, how did I hurt your feelings? And David tells me how I hurt his feelings. And I listen to it, and I think, well, that shouldn't hurt his feelings. I didn't mean for it to hurt his feelings. And so I say to David, well, David, if I've done anything to, to hurt you, I'm sorry for that. You know what I'm really saying to him? <laughs> I didn't do anything to you. You think you're going to get a, an apology out of me? But I want to tell you this. There are people that won't darken the door of any church. Young people, listen to me. There are people that won't darken the doorway of any church because of something maybe Brother Mike did or some other preacher did or some other Christian did. And they may not have done it trying to hurt them intentionally. But folks, we have people that are scarred. Jesus' body was scarred for us. We need to be very careful. We need to treat everybody with love. This past Thursday night, I officiated at my last Lord's Supper as a pastor. I may do it as an interim pastor or pulpit supplier or something like that, but that's a very special relationship. And you know, it wasn't until we started having Maundy Thursday services that I realized why we have Monday Thursday services? Because Jesus told the disciples, I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. And do you know that your pastor went for many years 
went to seminary, went to Sanford University, got a doctor's degree, preached for many years, and only when we decided to have a Maundy Thursday service, and I had to dig back into the background of Maundy Thursday, did I find that that really was a new commandment? For you see, Jesus had said to the disciples, the greatest commandment is to love God. And the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And for years, I heard that third commandment, love one another. That's all I heard. And I thought, well, that's like loving your neighbor, but it's not. What did Jesus say in that new commandment? He said, love one another as I have loved you. Folks, the best way to reach people who are scarred is just to love them. And let them know that we love them and we care about them. If you've never been in this church before, I want to promise you one thing. The people of this church will love you because we're all sinners saved by grace. And we're trophies of grace once we're saved. But when some people heard of the resurrection, they ridiculed. Second thing, when some people heard of the resurrection, they had reservations. But others said, we'd like to hear from you again about this. Now, that word reservations can mean several things. First of all, a reservation is someplace where Indians stay. I know that. And then reservations are something you make at a restaurant. The other day, I, we know Scotty and Christy and Tanner and Lily are going to come for the next service. They're really active in their church up in, up in Curry, Alabama, and I'm so proud of them for being active in a church up there. You say, don't you want to see them every Sunday? No, I want them to plug in a church where they live, where they can serve the Lord and use their testimony there. That's what I want for my children. And because I think that's what God wanted for them. And I'm so happy they plugged into a church up there. And probably after I retire, I'm going to get to baptize Lily Grace. You're talking about being excited. I, that, I'm excited. That's going to be a great day. I'll probably have 14 spells that day. Uh, they may never get over that in that little church they go to. But I'm excited about that. But I thought, well, where do they want to go eat? Well, Tanner had his prom the other night, and, and he carried his prom date to Firebirds up in Hoover. Well, I found out Firebirds were taking reservations for lunch. So I tried to call up there and get me a reservation for lunch. The lady said, uh, yes, sir, we have reservations. You can come at 4 o'clock. I said, lady, I want to eat lunch. I'm not talking about supper. I'm talking about lunch. When I get through preaching, I preach three services. I'm hungry. I want to go eat. She said, we'll be glad to feed you at 4 o'clock. I said, lady, you don't understand I need to get something to eat for lunch. And she said, I'm telling you, four o'clock or nothing. <laughs> I said, well, it's nothing then. I can't wait till four o'clock. I'll find me a Jack's hamburger or something. I'll, that's a reservation. But then there's other reservations. I'm not really sure about this. They didn't really ridicule, but they kind of said, we don't know what to think about this. Some people see salvation as not a priority. Now, some of you here today may look at this and say, it's not a priority for me. There are other things I want to do. Some of you high school seniors uh, may be thinking, I'm going to graduate next month. That's my priority. Some of y'all are engaged. You know, people get engaged all the time. They get married. It's amazing how when people get engaged, that marriage becomes, that wedding becomes a priority. Let, let me remind you something, though. If you've got a wedding in your future, and I, I know some of you do, uh, after the wedding comes a marriage, uh, don't just worry about the wedding because I want to promise you this, your marriage should last a lot longer than your wedding, all right? If you work at it, hopefully it will. But some people, uh, it's just not a priority for them to get saved. Uh, some see salvation as not their plan. Well, that's, that's not in my plans. I'm going to get saved. And, and by the way, 
You know, that's one of the devil's greatest tools is procrastination. You see, if he, he's not trying to convince you here today Jesus wasn't the Son of God. The devil's not trying to convince you here today that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. The devil's not trying to get you t- today to believe that, that Jesus won't save you if you call on him. The devil's just saying, don't do it now. Don't do it now. Don't do it now. No man knows the day or the hour when he'll hear the gospel for the last time. You better make it a part of your plan. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. In fact, when it talks about the day of salvation, it always says, today is the day of salvation. But then some people see salvation as not providential. And I'm sure in a crowd like this, there's some of you folks here. And you're not bad. You're not ugly. You believe in God. You believe in the Bible somewhat. But you know what you think? I'm going to get to heaven on my own. Most of the people in America don't go to church But most of the people in America, if you ask them, when you die, where will you spend eternity? They say, I think I'd go to heaven. And then you say, well, why do you think you'd go to heaven? And they say, well, I'm a good person. I hear that all the time. Beloved, let me tell you this. If you could get to heaven by being a good person, Calvary was a blunder. Why would the Son of God die if we could get to heaven on our... You say, well, I'm one of these self-help people. (laughs) That's okay if you go to the bookstore. You know what most of the books in the bookstores are about today? Self-help. You know, if you want to write another book about self-help, write it, and they'll have a place for it in the bookstore. That's the biggest section in most bookstores today. And a lot of people say, well, if I get to heaven, I'm going to get there on my own. Well, I've got news from it for you. You won't get there. If you could get there on your own, Jesus would not have had to die and suffer on that cross like he did. But some people see salvation as not providential. I'm going to get it on my own. I'm going to earn it. Can't do that. So when some people hear the resurrection, they react with ridicule. When some people hear about the resurrection, they react with reservations. But thank God when some people hear about the resurrection, they react with repentance. And did you notice that Paul preached repentance? You notice that Paul said in times past, God kind of winked at this ignorance. Now that means that God did not take it lightly, but it meant God had not acted in history as yet to confront that ignorance. But with the virgin birth of Jesus, with his sinless life, with his vicarious death on the cross, with his blood being shed, with his body being laid in a tomb. And by the way, I want to tell you, back in January, Don, we were there. Diane, we were there. We saw Golgotha. We saw the skull. And then we went just a few feet over, and there was an empty tomb. We went in, and we looked around, and he was not there because he had risen just like he said he would. I've been there. I can tell you, he is risen from the dead. After the resurrection, God says, according to the Apostle Paul, that God commands all people everywhere to repent. You say, what does that word mean, preacher? Does it mean I'm sorry for my sin? It's more than that. Repentance not only means I'm sorry for my sin, but I don't want to sin anymore. I well remember as a 16-year-old boy, Lost church member at that church youth retreat out in Walker County in a cornfield. I remember thinking, I am headed to hell. I joined the church. I got baptized, but I didn't get saved. 
And in that cornfield, I repented of my sin. And God made my sin so evident to me, and I was so broken because of my sin. I repented, and I said, God, I don't want to do that anymore. I need your help. And when I repented and started turning toward God, guess what? That was all I had to do. The rest of it was all up to him. You see, God does the hard stuff, but we have to repent. We have to turn and say, not only am I a sinner, but I'm sorry for my sin. Well, there were some that did that. Notice the Bible gives us their names. You know, isn't it something when the Bible gives you names of people that responded? He said uh, a guy named Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others. So it named two of them. Praise God. You know, Paul usually gave his testimony, but because he was in the intellectual center of the world on, on Athens, on Mars Hill. He preached an intellectual sermon and probably had the least response, but here, and some people say, well, he shouldn't have done that. Well, if he hadn't done what he did, I think he did what he did under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Nobody probably would have been saved. I think God got the glory for what Paul did on Mars Hill. And some people repented. Thursday night, I reminded our folks, and some of you weren't here, to be saved, there, I think there are things you need to do. First of all, I think you need to repent. That's what the Bible says. Turn from your sin. And you need to turn from sin and turn to Jesus, believe in him alone. And once you believe in him alone, here's another thing I think the Bible teaches. You have to make a public confession. Jesus said, whoever confesses me before men, him will I confess before my Father in heaven. If you've made that public confession, you know the peace that comes with knowing. I've done what Jesus told me to do. You say, how do you make a public confession? Well, in our church, you can come down the aisle, tell the preacher, I've been saved, I want to be baptized. Uh, that's the public confession. And then the third thing is water baptism. You say, wait a minute now, are you trying to get us that have, we've been sprinkled and, and you want us to say, for us to be saved, we have to be baptized in water? No, I didn't say for you to be saved, you had to be baptized in water. But I'll tell you this, Jesus was baptized in water. They didn't just sprinkle a little on him. They put him under the water. When I got saved, I wanted to be baptized. That's what happens. Repentance, faith, salvation, public confession, water baptism. You say, well, do you think you have to be immersed in water to go to heaven? No, thief on the cross went to heaven, never was immersed. But I believe if you had a chance to get immersed after you got, a, if, if you got down off the cross, got some water, I think you would have been baptized. Why? Because he was saved. Saved people want to be identified with Jesus. How do we identify with Jesus? Baptism. Now, here's the thing. And I'm almost done. Y'all got reservations at 11. Y'all are in good shape. I find, and, and this, and Brother Jim, it took me a long time to discover this. But I find the same three attitudes that people have toward the resurrection they have about anything spiritual. I want to commend some of y'all. I asked you to get up in the choir, and you did it. Didn't that choir look great up there today? Man, I tell you what, choir law full on Easter Sunday. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank y'all for doing what the old preacher asked you to do. Now, some of you, I've been asking you for years to get in Sunday school. And so go, there he goes on Sunday school again. Well, thank you, my skeptical friend. You just identified yourself. <laughs> Ow, you stepped on my toe. You stuck it out there and I stomped it good, I guarantee you. 
You say, well, why do you want us to go to Sunday school? So you'll study the Bible, one reason. So you'll make friends that will last for years and years and years and years and years. And so when people are sick, you can minister to them. And when you're sick, they can minister to you. I love you. But if I brought you something to eat, it'd be my chili. That's only won one award in 35 years. <laughs> and you might get sick nine to death if you ate it. So I, you don't want me to bring you food when you're sick. It'll just make you sicker. It is tithing. I preach tithing. I believe the Lord deserves first 10% of my income. That's my payment. I t pay him 10%. That's my tithe. I believe I pay my tithe. Then after I pay my tithe, I can give an offering. Some of you are saying, well, we're not believing in tithing. Well, you're skeptical. You're a saved skeptic. Listen, if the Bible says do it, don't you think you ought to do it? Amen. If I'd have got a good amen, I'd just stopped right there, but I didn't get one. You know, I've got preachers. Brother Bill, I've got preacher friends that are skeptics. I say to preachers, your church didn't baptize anybody last year. Y'all need to have a revival. You know what they say? Huh, nobody comes to revival. I beg your pardon. I want to tell you this. One thing that the staff has decided to leave on the calendar, and I, I thank God for it. We have revivals set up in August with Dr. Bob Pittman. Bob's one of our favorite preachers. And I want to tell you this. Uh, we'll fill this church up for revival with Bob Pittman, with or without a pastor. Because you see, you don't have to have a pastor to have revival. There may be a new pastor. If, now, if he decides to change it, he's the new pastor. He can do that. I hope he doesn't because you have to get Brother Bob about six or seven years out in advance. And Bob's like I am. He, he's getting so old, he might not be here six or seven years from now. But preachers are scared. Some preachers don't do vacation Bible school anymore. You know why? It's hard work. Some of y'all hadn't even signed up to help. You're skeptical about it. Somebody's saying, well, we're going to hear you later on this. If you wait too late, it'll be over. You see, any decision you make for the Lord, you're going to respond in one of these three things. You're going to say, uh, I don't think so. I'm a skeptic. Or you're going to say, well, let me think about it. And don't mean you're going to do anything anyway. And then the last thing is, hey, count me in. Now, let me say this, and I'm done. Since Jesus went to the cross for you, since he suffered your sin on that cross, how can you say no to him? You're not saying no to me. You're not saying no to Paula. You're not saying no to the staff. You're saying no to God who gave his only son for your salvation. When I accepted Christ, you know what I did? I became a slave to Jesus. And if God had not told me to retire at the end of May, I would not be doing it. You say, why are you doing it? To be obedient. Because if I'm not obedient, I suffer for it. And if I wasn't obedient and stayed on and God didn't want me to stay here, you'd suffer for it. I'm doing what God told me to do. And here's a result of what's going on in Shelby County because some of us, when it comes to the things of God, are skeptical or we have reservations. In Shelby County in 2014, the estimated population is 218,000. Of that 218,000, the North American Mission Board estimates that at least 63.5% do not know Christ. That is in Shelby County alone, 138,430 people don't know Christ. And Don, people want to know, why are we doing a mission trip in Shelby County? Shelby County is unchurched. 
People without Jesus are lost and going to hell. Only 17% of the people in Shelby County attend church at least once a month. That's what's, if you don't come at least once a month, you're not considered an, a regular church attender by the North American Mission Board. And get this, this blows my mind. In 2000, Shelby Baptist Churches baptized 708 people. Eleven years later, despite huge population growth, the Shelby Baptist Association churches baptized 601 people, a 15% decrease despite a large number of new residents. In fact, when the Baptist churches of Shelby County report their, their new members, one out of 27 new members were converts. The other 26 were either letters or statement and joined from another church. Beloved, we live in a mission field. And who's going to reach this mission field? We are. This is our Jerusalem. What happened when Jesus rose from the dead? Who heard about it? The women heard about it. Ladies, y'all were the first to hear of the resurrection. That's great. I'm so thankful. Women were the first ones at the tomb. They were the first to announce the resurrection. The angel told the women, and the women went and told the disciples. The disciples were afraid. Thank God for those women that went to the tomb very early in the morning, and they saw that Jesus was alive. And since that day, every born-again Christian is responsible for being a missionary to the closest lost person who is the mission field. And beloved, they're not our enemies. They are our targets. Sinners aren't our enemies. They're the ones we want to see converted. And the only way we convert them is through love and surrender to Jesus Christ. Has the resurrection made a difference in your life? Have you been saved? If you've been saved, have you been baptized? If you've been baptized, have you been discipled? If you've been discipled, are you ministering in Jesus' name? Brother Jim, when they heard about the resurrection, some ridiculed, some had reservations, but praise God, some repented. How will you respond to the resurrection this morning? Father, thank you for this day. Lord, what a beautiful Lord's Day you've given us. The sun is shining. A breeze is blowing. The smell of new life is in the air as spring becomes so apparent to us. And Father, we're thankful that the resurrection is a fact of history. But more than just a fact of history, it is a powerful message that will change the lives of men and women, boys and girls who don't know Jesus. Help us to be faithful in sharing that message until Jesus comes or calls us home. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing our hymn invitation, Paula. Hymn 596. Hymn number 596. I'm going to ask the staff to come and stand down front as we give the invitation. If you need to make a decision today, I would encourage you to do it right now. Don't delay. Don't wait. Come right now. God wants you to come. You be like those folks on Mars Hill. You come and cling to what you've heard today. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about First Baptist Pelham and other free resources like this one, log on to fbcpelham.org.